You've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project. A bigger, brighter kitchen, a fabulous new fence, the possibility of a pool. There's so much you would do if only you could. The good news? With an S&T Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At S&T, it's just what we do. S&T Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson, and this is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. And it is time for the Fantasy Football Focus. And uh, I know a lot of people are drafting either this weekend or next weekend, Matt. Uh, so I thought it'd be a good time uh, for the people who are drafting this weekend. Let's do some uh, some little updates here on on some things. Um, just reading here on uh, FantasyPros.com, some uh, news and notes here. Um, this coming out of uh, Las Vegas, and uh, according to uh, Vince DeSal or uh, Anthony Galvez or Galav, uh, I think Galav Galavez. Okay. Uh, he says that Hunter Renfro has been "quote unquote" impressive in training camp this year. Okay, I'm going to use the media to real life dictionary here. Okay, I think that means someone give us a draft pick for Renfro because he's really good. Sending that out in the stratosphere, and I'm not saying he's not really good. I don't understand at all why they don't use him more, but I think they would like to trade him because he's a pretty big cap hit and they have Myers and Adams that I think they'd like some good buzz to take them off his hands, take them off their hands. And somebody should, he's good. Yeah. I, I, I would think that one of these teams that does uh, is, is hurting at wide receiver. Um, You know, if you're the Patriots, for example, you've he paid all be- this money to all these other guys. Why wouldn't you go get Hunter Renfro? He might lead that team in receptions. He would lead that team in receptions. Yeah. I have no doubt about it. He's better than Juju. Yeah. Yeah. But they gave Juju money and they basically do the same thing. They're both slot guys. And then they gave Parker more money. Yeah, it's like, crazy. I, I don't understand what that, that team's doing. Bill Belichick, the uh, GM, once again, foiling Bill Belichick, the head coach. Right. <laughs> they, need to, right. they need to have more meetings together. <laughs> I forget when I heard this out of somewhere on a podcast and they were just joking. They said they made this analogy, and I don't play Madden, but they said Belichick is just getting bored with the league and is playing on like master level or whatever. And he's just going to keep drafting defensive players and see if he can just win by out scheming people with 18 stars on defense and nothing on offense and see if he can win that way. Well, who, who, are, who are the stars on defense? The stars is a big word, but I, I think it's the deepest defense in the league. I mean, they have all these different dudes with a million skill sets. I love their defense, but get a playmaker. Yeah, you do have to score something. Yes. Uh, look, schedule. Looks like uh, Kyle Phillips could miss up to six weeks with an MCL injury. Um that matters to that team. I Absolutely. Don't I don't know that it matters for fantasy. Right. But he could have been a guy that, you know, had a little bit of a breakout. Traylon Burks, he's got the LCL injury. 
Uh, you know, can't all just be Hopkins and Chig. Hopkins worries the heck out of me, too. I, I've heard no good buzz. And I'm not picking on the guy, but, I mean, his advanced metrics for separation were the worst of his career, and they were never good to begin with. Yeah. And, and this isn't something that's a secret. He got suspended for PEDs. You know, like, that's what people at the end of their career do to stick around. You know, like, that's a really, when an old guy gets busted for PEDs, I go, I often think to myself, he's got nothing to lose and it's always doing. He knows he's losing his step, so he's trying to hang on. Yeah, yeah. And maybe not. You know, I mean, that's, I'm not attacking the person, but that, I remember like Antonio Gates got one late in his career. It was like, I make sense because he runs like me now, you know? Yeah. How about this news out of uh, out of L.A.? Uh, Kieran Williams could be the Rams' preferred pass catching back. I guess that makes sense. I thought Akers would be more of a receiving weapon than he has been in the pros. He's okay. He's kind of a dump off guy. Yeah, and they, I mean, they, they Kieran Williams missed the first part of last season. When he came back, he had a little bit of a. Uh, a little bit of buzz there. A little bit of buzz. Yeah. And people love him. Like he was like a team captain leader at Notre Dame. Not the biggest dude, but loves the block and special teams. And like, he's easy to keep around. And frankly, besides, I mean, the pecking order for receptions on that team is cup times a thousand, probably Higby second, which is like the most boring pick ever, but could be a solid fantasy tight end. And then who else is going to catch the ball? Yeah, if Kieran Williams catches 50 passes this year. Yeah, right. He should be rostered. He should be rostered. Because then he's probably the handcuff as well. He probably is. Because right. I don't know who else they have behind Cam Akers. And let's be honest, Cam Akers, there's an injury history there. Oh, yeah. Plus, that line's not great. And, you know, any running back has an injury situation. So, real quick, I'm you know, you're in Atlanta and I'm in Pittsburgh. I don't know what site you're looking at for information, but I wanted to throw one name out along these lines too. And actually, Syracuse boy Tim Benz did it yesterday, and I did some more research. But Sean Tucker, the rookie running back, the undrafted dude, who only was undrafted because of uh, medical stuff, he might be the number one in Tampa Bay right now. He's pushing Rashad White heavy. Like, I didn't see that coming, but he was a good college back. So don't forget about Sean Tucker. I know it's it's a similar situation, bad offense. He, he doesn't have to beat out Christian McCaffrey. You know, I mean, there's opportunity there for him. Yeah, that's one team that uh, the same thing with like Trey Palmer down there. Um, mm -hmm. yeah, there there are going to be opportunities for young guys with that team because yeah. let's face it, Tampa Bay is not very good. And a lot of their guys are either old or have never done anything. Yeah. I mean, it's almost like the Rams second receiver position. Maybe nobody steps up, but maybe Puka Nakua looks like a starter by the end of the year. I yeah. don't know. You know there's opportunity. Uh, this news out of L.A. with the Chargers, it said uh, it says Josh Palmer could be the early season favorite as Los Angeles' uh, third receiver. Wow. Every, everybody's assumed it's going to be Quentin Johnston, but, you know, Palmer's uh, looks like he's uh, he's had a good camp. He's more of a – True slot, but, you know, we'll see. 
surprises me a little because a lot of the buzz about Palm, around draft time was that they were unhappy with Palmer's progress. But that's not the only reason they would have drafted Johnson because I don't think Allen will be a Charger next year, and Mike Williams is an extreme captain. Yeah, I mean Josh Palmer could be could be their Dan Moore. Yeah, he and that's what I was about to say. He probably just got better. Yeah, know? which is allowed. You're allowed to do that. Allowed for sure. Also, in L.A., Mike Williams has been getting a lot of love in fantasy circles. Yeah. It says Keenan Allen is serving as the focal point again in the Chargers offense. You talk about an old man game. I mean he's that he, old guy that you don't want to play and pick up basketball because he's he just he, he doesn't move fast, but everything's real deliberate and he just scores. Yeah. <laughs> You're like, how did he do that? Yeah. <laughs> and then drags himself down the other end of the court, gets another rebound, outlet pass, you know, right. He's gonna go away slow. And we didn't see much of it. I saw very little of Williams and Allen on the field together and not enough of Allen overall. But he's clearly their number one. Yeah. I mean, yeah. that's Herbert. That's his whoopee. Yeah, yep, yep. Uh, monster. Terry McLaurin, this from Adam Schefter, uncertain to play in week one. That's a turf toe injury. That that can linger. I was say, I hate hearing that's a toe. I'd almost rather it was a knee or, of course, anything in your upper body. I just think of, like, Jack Lambert ending his career. You yeah. know what I mean? Like, pose for a receiver is bad. Very bad. Yeah. Same thing with Traylon Burks. It's unclear if he'll be available for week one. Um, you have bump both those guys down a little bit on your draft board. The thing is, like, here's my prediction on McLaurin. I hope it's not true because I'm the biggest McLaurin supporter you'll find. He'll play week one. And it'll linger to week eight. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. you and I, all the fantasy people will, will start him. Oh, McLaurin's out of the woods. He's good. Then he'll catch four balls for 50 yards. And Dotson will be the leading targeted kidder by week two or three. And McLaurin will be not himself for a while. You know, that's just how toes work with receivers. So you bump, are you bumping Dotson up? Yes. He also looked great the other day. I thought and he I, did too. I don't think Powell stinks. No, I think he's very, very competent. Especially for fantasy reasons. Like, he's good enough for me not to worry about the, the quarterback there. Yeah. That, Buster Brissett's hanging around. What is uh, what is Burks' injury? Is it's, it a knee? It's an LCL sprain, yeah. Okay, okay. So, th that, again, he's out. Kyle Phillips also injured. Yeah. Um, I'm not drafting Chris Moore or Nick, Nick Westbrook Akine. In fact, I don't, want to do, I don't want anything to do with that passing game. I like Chig still. I think all this helps Chig. I want nothing to do with Hopkins. I haven't from the start. Yeah. I just I, I don't I don't think they're gonna want to throw the ball at all. I and honestly, I think Willis or Levis will be in there by Halloween. Uh Jerry Judy carted off uh yesterday. This one sounds bad. Yeah, this, bad. he's a guy who just hasn't been able to stay healthy. No. I just don't know how you can trust him to draft him, especially where he was going uh, for his ADP here in the, in the weeks leading up to this. Would you rather have Sutton? Uh, I mean, the, all I saw is a blurb on Judy that he's expected to miss a couple weeks. I mean, and what I took from that is a couple regular season weeks. Yeah. So I guess... The guy I might bump up more than anybody, though, is Mims. 
just because we know Peyton's power in that, that team, you know, that franchise, the first draft pick Sean Peyton made as a Bronco was for Marvin Mims. And uh, Patrick's out. Isn't the Penn State kid out too? Yeah, he's done. He's he's retired. Yeah. yeah. He retired. All these all these draft picks that they've spent in recent years on wide receivers, and they've spent high draft picks on wide receivers, and none of them are working out. None of them are working out. Because I don't know that Sutton's particularly good. Like, he's the non-separator, lumbering guy. Mims is at least dynamic. And for where you can get them, I'm interested there. Uh, the Dolphins are actively pursuing Jonathan Taylor. I think Jonathan Taylor owners love that. Like, if you're in a dynasty league and you own him right now or you drafted him in best ball, you want that to happen. Do you look at that? Do you, does that put him back at the, you know, an RB, I don't know, six or seven range for you? Um. Yeah. Yes and no, because I'm looking. I just pulled up my running back ranks. Like, here's my top: McCaffrey one, Eckler two, Bijan three, Saquon four, Chubb five, Pollard six. And I I want all those guys. You know, I'm not sure I paid the price that Saquon costs at the moment, but I would like all those guys on my team. And then at seven and eight, I have Taylor and Josh Jacobs just kind of sitting there by themselves. Like, they could be awesome. You'd love to have some clarity in either one of those situations. No clarity, you know? And then you get into, like, Ramondre Stevenson and Henry and Najee area. So, you're not – I'm sure Taylor's not going to be a Dolphin by the time people draft this weekend, if at all. Yeah, I mean, you're just not going to know, and that may go into – it may not happen at all. It might not happen at all, right? Miami might say, "Hey, we're not trading a first round draft pick for him." And and uh, you know, Taylor might say, "You're not going to give me a new contract." Right. Miami can't give him a, you know, 12 or 13 million dollar a year contract. So I was looking at their cap space. Right now, they have a fair amount. They have I mean they're like 14th most cap space in the league. But next year they're second or third worse. And they can play a quarterback. <laughs> right, right. Everyone's talking about Herbert and Burrow getting these contracts. Well, two isn't drafted right next to those guys. Yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know whether whether that happens or not. Uh, so I think he's in a void for if you're drafting this weekend. If, if this weekend, yeah, you need some clarity in that situation because if he doesn't go somewhere else, if he doesn't go to Miami or somewhere else, he might not play football this year. Might not. But there, as is the case with all these guys, there's a price where you say, I got to take him. Like, if he's there in the fourth round, you have to take him. Yeah, I, I want to have a good, solid RB1 mm-hmm. already in hand to make that move. I don't know if I could use a third rounder on him, and that's where you have to. I, I'm not using my second pick on him. No, 100% not. Right. Um, Josh? Victims? What's that? Is the same true for Jacobs? I think Jacobs comes in and signs his his franchise tag. Now, that doesn't mean that the first time he has – he played through some stuff last year. He's played through a lot of stuff, yeah. Uh, He may not be quite as willing to do that this year. That's the thing you hate about those situations. Yeah. So, he's kind of on my avoid list as well. 
Me too. But again, there's a price. I just think when those guys are going off the board, I would rather take DK Metcalf or Keenan Allen. Yeah. You know, somebody that I know is going to play. Yeah. 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 And play a lot. Um, The Browns and Cardinals did a little quarterback shuffling of the deck yesterday. Josh Dobbs now goes to Arizona, who traded away Simmons. They look like they're in full tank mode. They really are. Yeah. They trade Simmons for a seventh round pick. But they're still not naming their starting quarterback for the start of the regular season. Could Josh Dobbs be the, the Cardinals starting quarterback? Boy, I mean, he'd have to. He's super smart. We know that. Uh, I didn't even realize he landed there, but that implies maybe the answer is yes. I mean, he's he's the guy who's the most like Kyler Murray on their roster. If they just want to run their offense, I, I don't know what it does. To, what does it accomplish by starting Colt McCoy? Nothing. I mean, I'd rather play Clayton Toon. And if Clayton Toon has no clue what he's doing, you can't trot him out there. You know? Yeah. I mean, you, you just can't. You can't. I mean, if he's not NFL ready or sl- close to NFL ready, it's not fair to the other 10 or other 52 to put him out there. Man, that's rough. But it, uh, you don't make that trade with the unless you have some thoughts that, hey, he might be the guy. Right. So they probably keep three, and those are the three. I just don't know why you put McCoy out there. It it wouldn't surprise me on cutdown day if they released Colt McCoy Mm. because they got to put Kyler Murray. He has to be on the final 53-man roster to go on IR. Yeah, you don't want four, right. And then you just sign Colt McCoy back. Yeah. Would anybody give you a Because you're not going to cut Toon. Somebody would claim him probably. And you just traded for Dobbs, so you're not going to cut him. He's making the team. You're not going to carry four quarterbacks on that fifty on the fifty three man roster. Yeah, which you'd have to do because you can't do. You have to have Murray on the roster before you IR him. Nobody's going to pick up Colt McCoy. As I say, can you trade Colt McCoy for a six round pick? And then I thought it through though. Kyler like considers him like a mentor, right? So I th- I think you want him in the building. So you just release him with the eye with a, a wink and a nod, like, hey, we're going to release you here, but we're going to bring you back. In a day. Yeah. And if yeah. somebody says they're going to claim you, then you just tell them you're going to retire. <laughs> Their roster's so bad, though. Nobody's sure. claiming Nobody's claiming Cardinals. Right. Whoever the 53rd guy that's not a quarterback gets cut probably doesn't get claimed anyway. Yeah. Maybe four on Tuesday, and I don't know. Well, this yeah. means that Dor- Dorian Thompson-Robinson is now the number two quarterback in Cleveland. Yes, I think that's clear. And that's noteworthy. Yeah. So if the Cardinals so bad that you almost can't take Car- Carter or Marquise Brown. Uh, yes. I think so too. <laughs> In a nutshell. Yes, they are. Like, I know I like Marquise Brown better as a player than you do, but I can't imagine starting him every week. I just think it'd be remarkably frustrating. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. 100%. Big Bonner. They are running that that Cleveland offense, though. The same offense, basically, that Stefanski runs. So the the tight ends are going to get used there. Just a little little caveat. That's actually a good point. I mean, Trey McBride was the first tight end drafted last year. Like, if I were them, Connor and Ertz do nothing for me either. Right. 
if you could find out by the end of the year that Trey McBride's a starting or above average starting tight end, that's at least some progress to build around. Yeah, he's he's a sneaky guy, a tight end yeah. to catch maybe fifty passes this year. He might get six to eight targets a game. Yeah. Garbage time. Yeah, keep an eye on them. They're going to have to throw the football. Yeah. Uh, anyways, that's going to do it for the uh, fantasy football focus. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lolly. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back with more right after this. This is The Drive with Dale Lolly and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR. Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lolly. He is Matt Williamson, and this is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio. And uh, Matt, Bill Barnwell on ESPN is back at it again. Now, every year for about the last, I don't know, however long Barnwell has been at ESPN. It's been at least a decade, I think. Was he I there? He laughed at least 10 years ago. Yeah. But... Every year, he, he, he around this time, or around the start of training camp, He'll write something negative about the Steelers in terms of how they handled their cap space, things of that nature. Yeah. Well, this this year he didn't say anything about that because they're they've been in great cap shape. But he had a, he, last week he predicted four teams that could see an a, a increase in wins this year. On that list, he included uh, the Rams, which I, I don't I don't see games, but. To say that they're going to take strides forward was like, wow. Or potentially make the playoffs, which is what he was saying. I think they stink. Yeah. I think they're going to stink. Uh, he's predicting four teams likely to decline in the 2023 season. He has the Eagles, the Giants, the Vikings, and the Steelers. Yes. So before I we become very critical of this, I read this article in pretty good detail. And there was like four things I bolded just to talk about on a different podcast that, okay, I can believe that could be a problem area. And the Bills uh, credit, and he starts the last paragraph by saying, there's a definite tear gap in confidence between the first three teams and the Steelers are fourth for me. So his editors say, give me four, but he really was one to give them three. Now, that being said, I disagree with 85% of this article. (laughs) (laughs) Let's just parse our way through this thing. Yeah. He says, I'll admit it. I thought last year's column had the Steelers dead to rights. Unimpressed by their 9-7. Because he had them on this list last year, too. He said they're a repeat offender. Yeah. Which he does this every year with the Steelers. Unimpressed by their 9-7-1 record while being outscored by 55 points in 2021. I suggested that 2022 would be a transitional season with rookie Kenny Pickett taking over at quarterback. Well, he was right about that. It was a transition. It just went better than thought. Yeah. I was concerned the Steelers couldn't get any more out of their big three on defense. And when TJ Watt went down in, in the opener with a torn pectoral muscle, those concerns felt justified. At their bye, they were two and six. It felt like a lost season. So he's patting himself on the back at that point. Oh, I right. got this right. And I then got- the second half happened. Yeah. <laughs> Then the universe remembered who stands on the sideline for the Steelers. Mike Tomlin hasn't posted a losing record in 15 seasons as the Steelers head coach, and he wasn't about to start now. They split their first two games after the bye and then got white hot afterwards, winning six of their final seven. They came a half win short of their win total from 2021, 
but they came as close as possible to defying those numbers. So he's giving them some credit. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. So he looks at, he said, how did Pittsburgh turn things around? It got Watt back, which helped immensely. No kidding. Its schedule also got easier as six of the seven wins in the second half came against teams with losing records. Well, that's not their fault. No, right. Half the league gets losing records. Yeah. The only exception was a week 17 victory over the rival Ravens who were starting Tyler Huntley, at quarterback. That's pro bowler Tyler Huntley, by the way, (laughs) for an injured Lamar Jackson. Uh, The biggest factor, though, was something that holds concern for the Steelers and another team that isn't on this list. Before... Real quick, let me stop you. These next, the rest of this paragraph, I bolded and thought this is a pretty good point. Is it though? Okay, so before the bye, the Steelers turned the ball over fourteen times in eight games. After the bye, Pickett and company yielded five giveaways in nine games, three of which came in a Week fourteen loss to the Ravens. They turned the ball over twice in their other eight games in the second half, and unsurprisingly, won seven of those eight. What we've seen now from Pickett is that he values the football very much. You're no longer reading. This is Dale talking. This is Dale talking. Yes. What we've seen from Kenny Pickett, he threw one interception the entirety of training camp. Yes. My point and why I bolded it is those nine games, they had five giveaways. I bet they turned the ball over more than 10 times next year. But but that also suggests that the offense is going to be equally as impotent, which it is not going to be. Agreed. So if I, I if I turn the ball over a few more times, but I'm scoring more points when I have the ball, that balances that out. That's all he said, though. I mean, what I'm saying is well, but that that the idea five, the idea that they that that they only had five giveaways in nine games. It's going to go up. It's going to it, oh fine. It's going to go up. Yeah. But that suggests that the offense is going to stay stagnant. It's not going to get any better. Right. Right. Which is not the case. See, I I agree with the point that it's going to go up from a five to nine ratio, but I think they can overcome it much much better than the last year's team could have. One hundred percent. He doesn't say that part. He doesn't say that part. Again, he's right. he's suggesting here that the offense is not going to be any better. Agreed. Right. It's impossible to count on any team. This is back to Bill's article. It's impossible to count on any team to turn the ball over as infrequently as the Steelers did during that stretch over a full season, but there's something to break down here. I wanted to test this improvement with teams from the past to see if those that improved their giveaway rate so dramatically from one half to the next kept their turnover turnover rate relatively low the following season. There aren't many comps, however. The few teams that posted uh, similarly drastic improvements in giveaways from one half to to the next either posted astronomical totals in the first half before regressing to league average or change quarterbacks after the season, or had a veteran quarterback such as Tom Brady, Matthew Stafford, or Ben Roethlisberger. So this next sentence is another one I bolded that I thought was a legit point. Pickett is a rookie who held the ball before his before his pass attempts longer than all but three other quarterbacks and posted a below-average sack rate. He had a 4.8 interception rate over his first five starts and a .4 rate afterwards. Morphing from P.J. Walker into peak Aaron Rodgers is a nifty improvement, but I don't see how we can expect Pittsburgh to turn the ball over uh, more often this season. Right. Again, that's all well and good, but that's suggesting that Pickett's not going to be any better than he was last season in terms of 
moving and scoring the football. And if you listen to segment one of today's The Drive, I had some stats and some talk about him getting the ball out of his hands. I don't think he's going to hold the ball more than all but three quarterbacks. was going to be my point. Yeah, nor do I. And I think think the offense is going to be clearly better than it was last year. Of course, he's not going to have a 0.4% interception rate. But he's also not going to be at 4.8%, which was was a lot of bad luck involved with that. Yes, exactly. So let's split the difference and say he's at 2.4%. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay. But let's say his his touchdown rate goes up. His touchdown rate was like 1.9% last year. It has to go up. That's going to go up dramatically. Yeah, yeah. Uh, what makes this so interesting is that the Steelers aren't the only team that rode the turnover roller coaster in the second half turnaround. The Lions started one and six and turned the ball over 11 times in their first seven games. Then suddenly they morphed into something different. Jared Goff and company turned the ball over just four times in the ensuing 10 games, winning eight of those tens. Like the Steelers, they committed two of those turnovers in a single loss to the Bills on Thanksgiving. The Lions just decided overnight to stop turning over the football, which immediately started their winning, spurred their winning streak. Well, then why aren't the Lions on this list? That's what I was going to say. Is like we, you and I have talked about this a lot. That the Lions and Steelers, from afar, had very similar seasons. No team were better in the second half of the season than they were in the first. Than those two teams, and they both were the eight seeds in their respective conference. But frankly. Sorry, Bill. What the Lions did in Michigan has nothing to do with the Steelers. Like, I'm not sure why you could bring them up. Yeah, I I don't know. Um, to be fair, the offense improved aside from strictly protecting the ball. If we eliminate the drives that ended in turnovers altogether, the Steelers jumped from 31st in points per game before the bye to 11th afterwards. I bolded that, too, just because I wanted to mention it. I'm like, that's pretty interesting. I just found it interesting. Yeah. Najee Harris hasn't been an efficient back, but Jalen Warren showed it was possible to look impressive behind a middling offensive line. That line should be better in 2023 with Isaac Sayamalo joining from the Eagles and rookie first rounder Roderick Jones likely to take over at left tackle, although he has looked uneven during the preseason. Again, he's he's one of these guys, you know, just assuming that Roderick Jones is going to step into that left tackle role. It's not going to happen. But the line, again, a middling offensive line? I thought the offensive line played really well in the second half last year. Middling's the word I had a problem with for the second half of the season. The line that finished the season was not middling. Yeah. By the way, that's my, that's my bird, Larry. That's Larry, yeah, Larry the bird. Larry the bird, yeah. Okay, sorry, Larry. I'm more concerned about the defense on paper, going back to, to Barmore here, which is strange for a Steelers team under Mike Tomlin. Cornerback is suddenly a problem. As Cameron Sutton and Arthur Millette left in free agency were replaced by ex-Vikings Patrick Peterson and Chandon Sullivan. Nobody has ever, ever, and this is no offense to Arthur Millette, it was a great guy, been concerned about Arthur Millette leaving. Cameron Sutton, I get. Yeah, yeah, Again, go back to several segments when we're talking about the cornerbacks this week. Yeah, I mean, this this is a concern. Um <laughs> thing i bolded that these almost this whole paragraph i bolded as okay this could be problematic i'm not sure about their fitness scheme that played man at the sixth highest rate last season and it's a lot to ask second rounder joey porter jr to be ready for a big role in week one that assumes that the steelers coaching staff 
are a bunch of dummies and they're just going to, Oh, Patrick, Patrick Peterson and Shannon Sullivan, you guys are going to go play uh man, six most, six highest rate in the league. That was a note I made here as well. Cause I wanted to talk about the paragraph because I think it's a good point, but then you're assuming that if I think they want to play man, a high percentage compared to the league. But if you stink at it through two games, I don't think they're going to keep doing it. What does Mike Tomlin always say? If you have red paint, right, right, right. you paint the barn red. Exactly. They like wanted I mean, they wanted Cam Sutton back. Absolutely. He right. made the choice to sign in Detroit. So they pivoted to Patrick Peterson. And then they pivoted to Chandler Sutton. They didn't they didn't want Arthur Millette back. No, I don't think Millette was part They of released the Arthur Millette. And I think they draft Joey Porter even if they sign Sutton. Right. You know what I mean? So, you know, again. They'll do what they what they think their defense does best. Mm-hmm. Um, what back to Barnwell? Watt should play something closer to a full season, which will help the sack and pressure rate that folded in his absence. Is the rest of the team around him likely to be healthier? Probably not, given that Pittsburgh had the league's healthiest roster by adjusted games loss. You would probably rather lose two or three lesser starters than be without the star edge rusher uh, for any length of time. But the Steeler, this is the one that just galled me. But the Steelers don't have the sort of depth they've had in years past. Is he out of his mind? You're right. That that I had a real problem with. And to me, that's not knowing the team. That's not knowing the team at all. And I think there's an interesting conversation to be had there. Would they were the healthiest team in the league the last year, and the offense was like historically healthy. They won't be the healthiest team in the league this year. They have a one in thirty-two chance. They're not better at it than everybody else. But the injury they did have counts the same as two or three big ones. You know what I mean? Absolutely. You lose you lose TJ Watt for for seven games. Um, you know that's like losing your star quarterback for seven games. Right. Like I would have rather had a healthy Watt and lost Ogan Joby, Jack, and KZ for the year. And they or, did lose what, KZ for a good part of the year. Right. <laughs> But like three normal starters, or would you rather lose Watt? Eh, it's a conversation, you know what I mean? Right, yeah. Uh, this is how he finishes. There's a definite tier gap in confidence between the first three teams, and the Steelers are fourth for me. There are definite paths to them winning 10 games, especially if Pickett takes a second-year leap. If the defense loses one of the big three, I guess that would be Mika Fitzpatrick, Watt, or Hayward, the team uh-huh. struggles to stay healthy as it did and the uh, or the offense stops protecting the ball, I'm not sure we can count on the Steelers to keep Tomlin's streak going into season 17. I mean, he's not he's kind of hedging there. Yeah, that's what I said. I mean, that's why I opened by him saying, sounds like my editor made me do four, and I really only wanted to do three. He could have just as easily picked the Lions here based on yeah. the criteria that he was given for the Steelers. Yes. I think the Steelers are a better team than the Lions. I do too. I, Lions have one weapon right now, or one real receiver. I just don't understand why nobody is looking at Baltimore on lists such as this. Everything yeah. that you see here, the Ravens are a top 10 team. Really? Yeah, I don't 100% agree with that either. So I, I don't know. I, I just, there were some things in that. I, I understand. He brought up some good points there, no doubt. And we talked yeah, about the. Yeah, we talked about the secondary. You know, being you know, okay, it, it's it's a it's a thin group. But to say that they don't have any depth, 
And to, to, it's, it's wrong. to suggest that that somehow the offense isn't going to take any strides. Like, I get it. If, if Kenny Pickett was throwing seven touchdown passes in the first 10 games this season or first 12 games that he played, and they're turning the ball over more, 100%. They are fi- they're going to be in trouble. Mm-hmm. But I don't see that happening. Even if they turn the ball over more, even if, they, if he averages a turnover per game or the team averages a turnover per game, they're going to score more points than they did a year ago. Yeah, I think your point's really strong about they can overcome more negative offensive plays much better than they can, frankly, in the last couple of years. This is going to be a much more explosive offense. So I, I'd be shocked if this team regressed from nine wins from a year ago. Yeah. I mean, they won't be the healthiest team in the league. They won't lead the league in interceptions. But they also won't have the fewest fumble recoveries either. There's that as well. You know, right. And they might have more explosive plays on special teams. And I think the field goal kicker will make more field goals. Right. If he if he goes back to league average, just league average. That's what I mean, right. They score more points. If you're looking for regression stuff, all those things. Are, are probably going to be true. I mean, they missed more field goals last year than any team in the league. Did they really? Yes. I knew they were near, near the top. I didn't know they were number one. Yeah, because the guy, you know, they ended up, I think they missed 11 field goals last year. Wow. Yeah. That's not going to happen again. No way. Right. So, And I think more of those will, you're, you're going to score more touchdowns too. Yep. 100%. We're going to take another break. He is Matt Williamson. I am Dale Lally. You're listening to The Drive here on Steelers Nation Radio. We'll be back to finish up the show right after this. This is The Drive with Dale Lally and Matt Williamson on your 24-7 home of the black and gold. SNR Steelers Nation Radio. Welcome back. I'm Dale Lally. He is Matt Williamson. This is The Drive on Steelers Nation Radio and ESPN. We're not on ESPN 970. This is what happens when I get like five hours of sleep. Oh, I'm sure you're working on that. My I, brain just I, goes, I, yeah, on the, you know, I go into to uh, lockdown mode here and just start repeating stuff that I've said in the past. But um, I got I got to bed at three. Yeah, yeah, you didn't do much better than me. Um, <laughs> but uh, just uh, looking at what we've seen in the AFC this year, Matt, mm-hmm. uh, thus far. It's clearly better than the NFC. Oh, yeah. From top to bottom. Where do the Steelers, where do you feel they fit in now in that hierarchy? Okay. If we work from the bottom up, I'm confident that the Steelers are better than the Texans, the Colts, and the Titans in the South. I'm confident they're better very, very confident in those three and very confident in the Raiders. Like, to me, those four teams could pick in the top five. Like, I think they're bad. I think they're the four bad teams in the AFC. I'm confident, but not as confident, that the Steelers are actually, I'm very confident. They're better than the Broncos. I think the Broncos are in for a long year. I'm pretty confident they're better than the Patriots. So I would put them. That's five teams. At least, right? The three in the eight, three in the south. Six. Six. Okay, two in the west and, and the east. One of the, and east. the pay- Okay, so that's six. So I'm 
quite confident they're better than six teams. I would probably, I think the next tier though is a really big one. And I'm putting the Steelers in this next tier, but they honestly could end up in the tier above it. I don't know if they're better or worse than the Jags, the Chargers, the Browns, the Ravens, the Jets, and Dolphins, which is a big tier. So whoever's atop of that tier is a damn good football team. Yeah, <laughs> right. Killer, do you know what I mean? So basically what you're saying is the Chiefs, the Bills, and the Bengals are in their own tier. I am saying that, and it's not because the Steelers beat the Bills, but I have some concerns about the Bills. Their O-line's pretty bad. Yeah. But the healthy Josh Allen, and I hate to bring this up, but – can you imagine the damage the Hamlin situation did to that team too? Oh, you know, I like, can I, I can 100% imagine that because I went through it with, with Ryan Shazier. Yeah, right, right, right. You know, I mean, just late season things did not go the Bills' way at all with Allen's injury, that situation, et cetera, et cetera. I still think they're pretty darn good. Okay. So let's go. So the Steelers are in that tier. There are some teams in that tier that you just can't trust. Cleveland. Very much. Miami. Cleveland, the Chargers. Jets. The Chargers. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's, that's that's four teams in that tier. I think there were only six or seven teams. In. Do you trust Jacksonville? Trust, no. But somebody's got to win that division. So you, I mean, take, you take them out of the equation. Are you looking at my playoff spots? Yeah. Okay. I just thought you meant we're kind of power ranking things. Well, yeah, like, I mean, sure, but yeah. I mean, I, when you start looking at it in terms of playoffs, um, a couple notes. Somebody's going to win this, win the South, so that that's out of the equation. I trust the Jags' offense. I mean, I think Lawrence is legit, and they have a lot around them, and that's going to be a really good offense. But in terms of being a contender, I don't trust them. The Jets, Dolphins, Bills of that. Of the including the Patriots too, their schedule are awful. I mean, like really, really difficult. So in terms of wins and losses, the AFC East might be better football teams. I almost I'm certain they will be than their record will be. Yeah, because they play, and part of it's because they play each other. But they play more difficult divisions than the AFC North does. So let me ask you this. Does a nine-win team get into the playoffs in the AFC this year? No. So it's ten wins. Ten wins gets you in for sure. Yeah. I mean, do you are you are is the, does it come down to tiebreakers? Probably at ten wins because there's so many good teams. But ten wins is a lot because a lot of those teams play each other. I, that's what I'm saying. Right. Yeah, I, I don't think nine gets you in. 11 definitely does. I would say Tim Benz brought this up yesterday. He said four of the last five years or something like, I forget what the number was. 10 wins gets you in like 90% of the time. Right. In this format. And it probably holds true, but maybe it's a tiebreaker to get you in. But I like the Steelers chances of being better in tiebreakers than the Jets or Dolphins or Bills. Yeah, because as you mentioned, uh, when you when you talked about those teams in the tier below them, 
those are all the teams that they play this year in right, the AFC. Right. And even the Bengals, Bills, and Chiefs, including the Jags, they all have to play each other. Right. Nobody's that series. Right. So what's the what's your feeling? Who's uh, the the win total for the number one seed in the AFC as we sit here in August, late August? What's your guess? 13 games? 12? I was originally going to say 13, but none of them have an easy path. I mean, would it shock anyone if the Chiefs won 13 games? Of course not. But we'll say one team has 13, uh, you know. Okay. Um, So if one team has 13, if you can get to 10, you're not that far off. If If you get to 11... That to me is the key. Like, like when I've talked to people about this, well, can the Steelers sneak into the playoffs as the seven seed? I think they could be the five. Right. I've really changed my tune on that in that that question gets brought up in some way, shape, or form all the time. Can the Steelers sneak into the playoffs? I think that goal's too low. I don't think you're sneaking into the playoffs. I think you're going in as the five seed. And you might go down, let's say Jacksonville is the, is the four. You might yeah. go down there and be favored. I don't know that winning the division is the craziest thing I've ever heard. I don't know if that is either, based on the schedule and looking at who Cincinnati has to play. Right. I'm not, I'm not going to predict the Steelers to win the division. But I'm not saying, like, if it paid 8-1 to one in Vegas, I'll put a dollar on it. History has shown us in the AFC North, well, other than Cleveland never winning it, right. but Baltimore, Cincinnati, and Pittsburgh have all taken turns winning the division, and you very rarely see one team win the division three years in a row. Mm-hmm. It just doesn't happen. I think Cincinnati's a really good team without many weaknesses, but history shows you probably aren't going to win it three years in a row. I mean, you know, if Burrow misses time, which could mm-hmm. happen, if Chase misses time, are they sure. as, are they as good a football team? I don't think so. No, I, I wanted to make a quick Jets note earlier too. I know Corey Davis isn't a tremendous football player, but all of a sudden the pass catchers for Aaron Rodgers, not named Garrett Wilson, are like Randall Cobb again. Yeah, or all the guys that he played with last year in Green Bay. Lazard and Cobb and yeah. those tight ends, like, and their line's not great. Like they have like four stars on offense. Two of them are running backs. But the rest of their offensive roster isn't very impressive. It looks a lot like what he had in Green Bay last year, and that wasn't good. It wasn't good enough, right. And they have an awful schedule, too. Yeah. And I think I'm not in front of a computer, but if possible, could you pull up the Jets' schedule? Because I think, like, their first eight games is, like, laughably hard. (laughs) I mean, it's like – and Rodgers is new. He's he's got he's going to play a little bit this weekend, but he hasn't played with this team. And their O lines in flux. Like it wouldn't blow me away if Halloween rolls around and that team is two and five or yeah. whatever. Here it is. It's, so it's Bills at Jets, Jets at Cowboys, Patriots at Jets, Chiefs at Jets, Jets, <laughs> Jets at Broncos, Eagles at Jets, Jets at Giants. Chargers at Jets, Jets at Raiders, Jets at Bills, Dolphins at Jets, Falcons at Jets, Texans at Jets, Jets at Dolphins, Commanders at Jets, Jets at Browns, Jets at Patriots. 
they could struggle to win nine games. It's awful. And I think it's that first seven games is horrible. I mean, they get the Cowboys, Eagles, Chiefs, let alone their division games. Yeah. All early. I mean, they could start in a real hole. In a game in Denver, which is never easy. Which is never easy, right. You, you definitely want that game at home. And I just think there's a lot of turnover with the Jets. The chances of them on an average schedule coming out hot is less than most teams. Yeah. And they're definitely a direct competitor for a wild card spot if we're going to go down that out. Yeah, 100%. And that's the thing that people continually overlook. Oh, the, the, the division is going to be so difficult. I get that. Sure. But if you just, if you tread water yeah, in division, right, it's, this is no different than any other year. If you can go three and three like you did last year in the division or go two and four in the division, the rest of the schedule sets up nicely. Yes. To, yeah, yeah. to, to get a bunch of wins. I would go fish on two on two and four. Just I think there's a decent chance they get to five hundred or maybe even four. But two and four doesn't hurt you that bad. It really doesn't. It, no. it really doesn't. The only thing that hurts you in is tiebreakers, and you have enough games outside of the the division that are. I, I'll never say layups because it's the NFL. Of course, but they're games that you should win. You're going to be the better team. Two and four, you probably don't win the North. Four and two, you might. Four and two, you might. Three and three, might. The division winner might be three and three in the division. Yeah. Yep. I mean, it was last year. Yeah, yeah. As good as the as good as the Bengals were, they they went three and three in the division. I mean, so last year at this time, I thought there was a point one percent chance that Seattle or Giants would be a playoff team. So there's definitely a chance that the teams I put below the Steelers in the AFC, one of them's better than we think. But you got to squint pretty hard to believe it. Boy, I don't know who that would be. Maybe Denver. Maybe. Maybe. But, boy, I don't think. They're they're running out of pass catchers pretty quickly. Yeah. I I mean, maybe the Titans. I mean, like, I'm really straining. I don't know who it could be. Yeah, I don't don't know either. DJ Stroud wins rookie of the year and Will Anderson (laughs) rookie of the year. And they get the eight wins, you know, like, is that the best? Yeah, that still doesn't. I mean, them getting the eight wins, that might win that division. Right. But it, it doesn't make you a contender. No, right. I mean, the six teams we threw out there below the Steelers, I'm pretty confident will remain below the Steelers. Yeah. Matt, we got to go. Uh, yeah. I have a flight to Same catch trip. here. So uh that's going to do it for today's show we'll be back on monday we'll go five days next week we'll we'll be on our five-day schedule here for the rest of the year now Uh, but uh, that's going to do it for today's show so we appreciate you listening hopefully you can listen to this edition of the drive on steelers nation radio for my partner matt williamson i'm dale lolly we'll talk to you next week you've spent all winter stuck inside imagining your next big home project a bigger brighter kitchen a fabulous new fence the possibility of a pool there's so much you would do if only you could the good news? With an s Home Equity total line of credit, you can. We've got your back with financial flexibility, and we're here to support you with exceptional customer service. So dream as big as you want, and we'll help you bring those dreams home. At s it's just what we do. s Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender.